At Qualcomm, we believe in staying connected, and you can see us wherever 5G is helping transform telemedicine, supporting remote education, and powering mobile PCs. The Invention Age is here. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash invention age. In a world of twisted facts, alternative narratives, corrupted corporations, and hacked feeds, how can we decipher the difference between truth and fiction? It's time to take back the truth. Read Robert Kiyosaki's Fake and learn the signs to recognize fake money, fake teachers, and fake assets. Determine what's real in a world where falsehoods are a weapon. Don't let fake advice destroy your financial future. Visit therealkiyosaki.com to read Fake by Robert Kiyosaki. That's therealkiyosaki.com. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. It's Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And today we're talking about the dream of almost every person who is an employee. They want to start their own business. They want to be a startup. And when I was a kid, it was not the way. Everybody wanted to climb the corporate ladder. So when I became an entrepreneur, was my poor dad says, you know, they called you an entrepreneur. I was in a nylon wallet business, started it up. So I asked my poor dad, because he's a PhD and all this, I said, what does entrepreneur mean to you? He says, it means you're a crook. That's what it means. <laughs> but, you know, when I listen to young people today, they all want to be a startup. You know, they're going to they're gonna be a Jeff Bezos, who just now went past Bill Gates, the old guy. And I think he passed Bill Gates by $50 billion, and it just keeps accelerating. So anyway, it's, you know, everybody dreams, they'll just put a few dollars down and become a billionaire and pass Bezos next. So today we're talking about starting up. And by the way, uh, Kim is on the line also. She may drop off because she has to go to the airport, just flying to Maine, state of Maine. So our, Kim, anything you want to say about, you know, because you and I started up how many years ago now, Rich Dad? Oh, 21 years ago. It's and, been... Uh, I- yeah, it's been it's been an amazing ride. It's it's a roller coaster. It's been easy. You just we just we oh, just we just cake. yeah, piece of cake, no problems. Nah, easy, easy. Yeah, we just became multimillionaires, and it was you know like easy street. Yeah, I, I you know if if somebody had said to me, Kim, this is what you're going to go through in the next twenty years, I would have never started. So thank God I didn't know. Yeah. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Yes, it is. And it's, it's, it's one of my big complaints against a lot of these academics who teach entrepreneur classes, because I, I did some of them when I was in MBA program. These guys have no reality of what they don't know. I mean, it shocks me. Every time I went to my business classes, I said, how in the world are you teaching me? I know more than you do, you know? So anyway, we have two great guests today. We have Aaron Poole. He's the owner of Gadzooks Enchilada and Soup. And every morning I drive past his new location, and I'm listening to his startup story here and it's it's horrifying <laughs> <laughs> and, and our other our other and so his website is gadzooks g-a-d-z-o-o-k-s-a-z.com it's uh enchilada and soup and i mm-hmm. said that's kind of an interesting idea and the other guest is jt moreno and he's a co-founder of tuft and needle and i can't believe some of the numbers he's running here but he's now he's going to pass bezos next week Okay. So anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about the the pros and cons of being a startup. So if I could start with Aaron. Aaron's the second time on our program. I remember he had a little store further to the west, I believe, in Phoenix. 
Yeah. But now you're on the main Dragon Phoenix. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Has it been nice and easy? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what Gad Sooks does. What, how'd you get en- enchiladas and soup? I mean, that's it's not a McDonald's burger, is it? No. So when uh, I... I came up with the idea. I had my what I call a light bulb moment. Um, about 2005, I was a freshman at Arizona State, and I knew I wanted to do a restaurant. But it was all about I think anyone starting their own company. I mean, you gotta you gotta identify a why should you exist. I think so many people when they start thinking about um, doing a startup or being an entrepreneur, they miss that key point. Right? How are you different? Where's your differentiation? So I was eating enchiladas up in Lake Tahoe, and my mom made like some chicken enchilada casserole for all the boys that were up there. And a light bulb moment, I was like, enchiladas, that's it. I want to do a fast, casual enchilada place. So I researched it while I was in college. Uh, that's where college did help me, Arizona State. I, it forced me to create a business plan. Right, and start the think- discipline of that. And, and then I think the number one thing that one of my te- entrepreneur teachers told me, he's like, just make sure you get working capital make sure you get where I was like, okay. And that just stuck with me forever. And, um, after I graduated in 2009, I got an SBA loan, uh, SBA 7A loan, um, never working in a restaurant or anything. And a bank was, uh, naive enough to take a risk on me. That is the most and, gutsy. I mean, I, yeah, I thought I went, Oh, I got goosebumps yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. But I, I think the key was, I just was so naive about what I, what I didn't know that, it, like right. like Kim was saying earlier, if I knew seven years ago when I started to um, think about it, I would have never done it. You right, know? right. So, okay, so we have JT Moreno, and he's co-founder of Tuft and Needle. And JT, could you give us a little idea of how you got into the mattress business? Because you're a Silicon <laughs> Valley engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's and even thinking back, it's just it's still weird. It's always going to be weird <laughs> going from. Uh, Going from Silicon Valley software world and jumping jumping into mattresses, I think what really well what really what spurred it was my co-founder Dehi and I. We were we're best friends from college, and we were we were uh, working for a very heavily funded uh, high tech startup um, in Palo Alto, and it was the the caricature of like. And just like uh, you, you know, you watch uh, Silicon Valley and HBO. Was, I'm, I'm watching the show and I'm like reliving and having like flashbacks and PTSD from from like what we what we had to go through. But um, what we learned from the from the company we were at was money doesn't solve everything, even when you raise a lot of capital. And um, and really, and just um, just like what was just said, you know, starting with why? Why are you doing this startup? What problem is it actually solving? We decided we, we needed to quit. We needed to do something of our own, but we wanted to build it our way. And having gone through the, uh, the trenches and, um, with uh, several startups, we, we actually wanted to do something outside of software. So we spent about two weeks doing a retrospective on our lives looking for a problem that we've personally experienced. Um, we had this long list and, um, of, of things that... Maybe we could maybe we could fix. Maybe other people have experienced you know this kind of a problem. And one of the items was something I put on the list, which was shopping for a mattress. Um, it was just a, a bizarre experience I went through shopping for my first mattress, unlike any other uh, product or market that I was you know would have expected it to be uh, modern and customer experience at the forefront. Um, it seemed like I just jumped back into the 80s and it's still being done the same way. 
Um, it, just suffice it to say, it was worse than shopping for a used car. So that was really uh, the, this, uh, the route where we, we just kept going back to this item on the list because it was so weird. It was almost eccentric because it was so old and strange and archaic among some of the other, other problems and ideas that we, we had. So what we did was uh, we built, well, we, first we, we made a list, and we called it uh, the mattress hate list, and we wrote everything on this piece of paper, everything we hated about shopping for a mattress, everything we hated about a mattress. And then we drew a line down the center, just what we would do instead. And then the, the, those features and benefits, what we would do instead, we took uh, the, essentially the, the least amount that we would have to start with in order to, to, to move, potentially move the industry forward or, or make a, cha- a positive change. And we built a, a website with a photo stock image of a mattress. It was sort of just a test site. Um, and we put a credit card form there, and we just described the company like it would be if we were to actually do this. And we, we launched that website and um, took out a Google ad, and then within 15 minutes, we, we made a sale. And then, that, you know, then the, the excitement ensued, and we were cheering and all that. And uh, the, the, the next moment, we quit our jobs. We shut that, well, we shut that site down, basically. <laughs> One sale, you quit your jobs? <laughs> yeah, we, the, yeah so then that was when we quit our jobs. We knew... We knew somebody, if somebody was willing to, uh, to to pay us for something, that we would be on something. Somebody wasn't a friend or, or a family member, just somebody online was willing to was, was willing to pay us. We would there there that was our test. That was but did you have a mattress to sell? We did it. No, it was literally <laughs> just a concept. It was literally just a concept. Um, and that was in that was in June of 2012, and we officially launched Tough the Needle in October of 2012. Um, uh, TN.com is, is the site, and what we do is we we um, we reverse engineered uh, this mattress site. You know, this whole experience that I went through. We reverse engineered it, figured out how to design and develop, found a manufacturer, and honestly, it's it's just putting the customer at the center in everything we do, which is which ended up being a disruption to the to the industry. It started small, but it snowballed over time. Where where, um, where was your first location? Where were you operating? Uh, we were, when when we did that test site, we were in Palo Alto, but when we incorporated and started the company, we were in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Okay. Uh, now we're now we're downtown here in Phoenix. So, and, and, JT, and JT, most people always, they're focusing just on the product. So let me, get, when you launched, was your product perfect? Oh, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, I learned from software is you, you need to get to a minimum viable product and get it out there to see if people want it, and then you need to iterate on it and constantly improve it based on customers' feedback, which is the very thing that doesn't happen in this industry. So let me ask you this. So, uh, who built the mattress for you? Um, well, I did the designing um, and, and the, the research and designing and engineering of, of the actual product, but it, I was actually uh, sleeping on site in a, man, a small little mom-and-pop manufacturer in Southern California. It was the only manufacturer willing to work with us. Wow. And you took your company, if I hear see these numbers correctly, from a million to over $100 million in five years? Well, we started with six thousand dollars because that was all the money we had. We really had to um, it, it's six thousand dollars plus a little bit of savings to, to hold us over and pay our bills while we were starting up. Um, but when we launched the company, yes, our first year uh, we we hit a, about a million, um, and then this year we're on track to about uh, about three hundred million. Oh, congratulations! 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 Ooh. Wow. 
So, you. so, you know, from what I read here, you had the Richard Branson approach. You just saw the margins were too fat, right? I mean, you, the thing exactly. I read about you, 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 the mattress you bought was $3,000 and it probably cost $10 to make. And with that, yeah. you could, that's, that was the whole industry was based upon fat, fat margins. Is that correct? Exactly. And that was, that was the, one of the first major pains was the margins. It's marked up so much. The brands sell to the stores and then the stores mark it up and then they sell it, and then they mark it up addition, like an additional amount so that they can discount and then there's commissions and so on. You know, the, you, you have to talk to a salesman. Um, there's not, there, there isn't fast shipping. You have to choose from amongst, you know, 30 plus mattresses in a big store rather than just, just develop me a modern, like, simple mattress and ship it to me in a small box, give me great service, no commissions, no salesmen, just tell me what the product's about and take care of me. And if I want to return it, make it easy. So that's essentially, um, that's essentially in a nutshell how, how we started. We, we, and and, and your, your, your positioning statement or your sales approach was mattress stores are greedy? Yes, that's right. That's that's uh, that was an advertising campaign that's done very well, um, and it, it, it's it's very sharp and polarizing. But it really is it's, well, it's, it's hitting the that, yeah. It's great communication. Great communication. So before we go on, like I said, it always sounds wonderful. You need to start with six thousand dollars, and suddenly you're a multi-billionaire. And we're going to find out what really goes on in between because that's the fantasy of everybody. So uh, the thing I'm really proud about Aaron Poole with Gadzooks and uh, you know enchiladas and soup, he did the insane thing and went into my world, which is the real estate world. Is that correct? Yeah. Did yeah. you find out that it's not as easy to buy a piece of land and put a property building on it? Yeah. Well, like our, our original um, store in Phoenix was uh, because we got that SBA 7A loan. When we found that piece of property, it was for sale. And I was it just sucked because I, I was like, well, I can't afford to buy anything. I literally was living at home with my parents. Uh, I had the only asset I had was my gosh, my, my clothes and a computer, you know, I didn't own anything. My parent, I drove my parents' car, you know, I had no assets. I had a savings account of $20,000. So I knew I couldn't purchase anything. Well, luckily it so happened that, that because it was an SBA 7A loan, it required basically that I purchased a property because they needed collateral. So we, they were able to tie it all into this, this, uh, 7A loan and, so that's your first what, property you owned. Yeah, yeah. So that's dress, what, wasn't it a dress it a, store? Yeah, it was a dress, originally a gas station, then it was a dress shop, and now it sells <laughs> enchiladas, yeah. <laughs> so, well, the reason I say that, yeah. you know, JT, when you talk about old and archaic, try real estate, man. Yeah. I tell you, you run into dinosaurs out there in the city planning, the, the zoning guys. I mean, it is horrifying. I mean, Kim and I, it took us oh, ten, we're in the middle. We're in the middle of it right now. All we're, the time. Yeah. And we've got the regulations, and we got the zoning, and then on top of it, you've got the neighbors. I know you had to deal with your neighbors. Oh yeah, because they've yep. got to approve it. Yeah. 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 So what what you've done there, Aaron? You know, with your Gadzooks. Is, so so you know, this whole world right now is ripe for picking. Except mm -hmm. the hardest, I think, the hardest target is the government. Yeah. Because those guys are dinosaurs. I mean, Kim and I own properties on Camelback also. But by the way, for those who are listening from all over the world, Camelback is the street. It's like Rodeo Drive or something. And it's the street. It's not as glamorous, but to own on Camelback is something. Kim own beautiful properties on Camelback. But, and we also in Hawaii, it took 10 years to get a zoning change. <laughs> 10 years. So JT, you know, 
Do you think the mattress guys are slow? Try the city, the, the city and federal governments and state governments. So we come back with going more into, see, it's really not the startup. It's really how you keep going because every, I think, every one of us, what we find out when we start is how much we don't know. And that's really the question for a startup is how do you get over what you don't know? So we're gonna come up, I'm gonna ask Aaron Poole, JT Moreno and my wife Kim, how do you get through when you don't know everything? We'll be right back. You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Log on to RichDadRadio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. We're talking today about the dream of every entrepreneur. They have a startup, you know, they're going to be like Jeff Bezos and now, and then suddenly it will blow past Bill Gates. I think, I don't know how many, $50 billion last week or something and accelerating. So you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere. You can listen to it iTunes or Androids and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them for two reasons. Number one, listen to this program again. Listen, you know, repetition is how we learn. And we listen to this again, you'll pick up new nuances and old differences. But most importantly, especially if you're thinking about being a startup or you're in a startup right now, or you think about quitting your job, this would be a good program for you to listen to with your friends, family, and possible business partners. You know, before you start this up, or how do you get through the challenges we go through? So again, it's all everybody dreams of having a startup, and I tell you, there's I have never run into such stupidity in my own life, and that's me. Okay, any comments on being a startup before you run off to Maine with your sister? Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, the startup for me is the most fun part of it at all, of all, because it's the most creative. And as Aaron said earlier, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And um, so you kind of go out there blind and you're doing what you're doing and um, then you run into reality and you run into the problems and uh, there it is. So it's, it's a great adventure. So the, uh, I want to ask Aaron real quickly, you know, because you talk about Mike, you know, because so you guys, you have the McDonald's formula. Your business buys the real estate. Right. Right. I love that formula. That's, yeah. that's Kim and I. The reason we start a business is that we want to buy the real estate. Mm -hmm. And so we have Aaron Poole, he's the owner in the startup of Gadzooks Enchiladas and Soups. He's got in the second store, I, I drive past it every day. And JT Moreno, tough to needle, and he's now worth, you know, he's, Jeff Bezos is shaking right now. He's, gone, he's come so fast, starting <laughs> up with $6,000. So Aaron, tell me about the real estate, because that's, I, I mean, what you told me, I, I, I got, I had pain go through my body. Yeah. I had memories of being beaten and lashed by 
the city, the state, the feds, as well as homeowners. Yeah. Um, so with our uh, second location on Camelback, um, as Robert said earlier, it's uh, – it's, nice piece of property, it, right on the main drag. Yeah, right, right on the and especially when you get to the east part of the valley in the Paradise Valley area. I mean, it's a very, very. Uh, Everybody sees you every yeah. morning, thousands and thousands. So, so with with our understanding of like seeing this piece of property, it was just a dirt lot. It's never been developed. The only thing that's ever been on it, other than desert, was orange trees, and we knew that we might pay a little bit premium on building the the site and um, buying the land. But we the goodwill is what you kind of have to. You can't put a number on on how much traffic goes through there. Um, so we started, we engaged with the sellers in, back in 2014, and they were going through a federal um, litigation trial <laughs> because they had gone to, to the city of Phoenix and submitted plans to build an office building on this land. Sound and, familiar, Kim? Sounds very familiar. Yeah. have been there. have been there, Aaron. <laughs> and so basically I, I went down to the court, the federal courthouse in downtown Phoenix and uh, started to learn about the case. And it was over a 15-foot easement off of the canal because one side of this property is along a canal that is licensed. Federal. And, uh, yeah, it's a federal canal, but SRP, Salt River Project, um, basically is the – uh, operator, the management company behind it. So they were suing the uh, sellers um, about this 15-foot easement. Well, And the sellers were the guys you were going to buy it from. Right. And then luckily for the sellers, their title company stated that on their title that they own that 15 feet. So they were able to, the, the title company was on the hook for the litigation, the uh, hiring of a lawyer. So this thing went on for a decade. The federal government was just trying to, usually they'll just bleed you out if you're just a sole proprietor. Um, they couldn't do that. So if you were Gadzooks, you were finished. I would have been toast, yeah. yeah. And then uh, then they, what they were trying to do, because they knew they couldn't do it uh, with money, they tried to do it uh, just with timing. Yeah, they, they stall you out. They stall you all out. All the time. But then after you did that, you had to go and talk to the condominium guys next yeah. door to you, well, right? That, that was a real treat, yeah. right? Yeah. On top of that, well, we had to rezone it. It was zoned office. We had to rezone it to commercial. And then on the third thing, which was probably the hardest thing I've done in business, is we had to get um, – there's 88 condominiums next to um, the, property. the property. And by code, you have to have two ingress-egress points of entry for a property. So we had to get this access agreement for, from these condominiums. Well, there's 88 owners, and their HOA bylaws state that you had to get 80% of those signatures. Uh, so it's about 74, 75 signatures. But on top of that, they had to be notarized. <laughs> so we had to hire a notary, walk around, knock on doors. We quickly found out that about 75% of the owners don't even live at the condos. They rent them out. So we were sending letters to people in Israel to people in Australia, New Zealand, all over the world, and just asking them, telling you know the story, and asking them if they could get this signed and notarized. And you had like four months. To we get had it four done. months. Yeah, and we started the very first day we did it. We knocked on doors. We got one signature. Because what happens <laughs> is, someone like you tell them the spiel. You're like a salesman, and they're like, okay, they're hesitant. They'll sign it. Well, then, well, we also need to get it notarized. So can you get your ID out, and can you sign here? And, do, and that's when people really get cold feet because they're like, what am I signing up for? Yeah. Uh, 
it was but it the, was insane. The, the, they taught you that in business school, right? How to get through that. Yeah, no. no. no, 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 no. So anyway, that's you know that's why I love. Like we've had Aaron on before, and I thought it was about enchiladas. Now it's about real estate. <laughs> so anyway, JT, what was one of your biggest challenges or tested your soul out there to get? Well, I'd love to say we, we launched TN.com and then everything was uh, was gravy, but that definitely wasn't the case. Um, when we first made that leap and um, decided that we were going to start something, we obviously were just wandering and didn't know. You know, when you start something, like you said, there's there's so much you don't know, and that's where having a problem that you you've experienced it kind of grounds you, and then doing this test you know, sort of validates it to, to really take that leap and jump all in. And our approach has always been, we always say burn the boat so that we quit our jobs and, and went all in so that we only had to succeed or be on the street. Not, not, not maybe that isn't actually what would happen. We'd probably start applying for jobs or something like that. But, but really after that test was the real test for us because we had to go into a market that we knew nothing about. We were, our background is software and, you know, software products and design and that sort of a thing. How do you go into a physical product, a tangible good that's manufactured? And that's where we really hit our first uh, roadblock, was trying to find a manufacturer who's going to work with us. And this is like uh, an old boys club where if, they don't, if the manufacturers don't know you, they don't want to work with you. And especially if they hear your goal is to disrupt the industry and turn it over. <laughs> I mean, those are the, those are the very you know, companies they, they support. Um, so we, we, we just started uh, you know, searching online and finding these old catalogs for the manu- you know, who the manufacturers were and calling, and we would just get hung up on. So this was, this was happening over the summer between June and, June and October. And what we just ended up doing was we rented a car, and we just drove to the factories. And they were even, it, was, it was bizarre. There, you, they wouldn't sometimes have a, a main door. You couldn't find it. So you just have to walk in like a, like a truck bay and just walk on the floor of the factory and then ask if they have a a salesperson or a representative, and um, luckily, I mean, unlucky, but also lucky, every single manufacturer that we went to, and I would say there's about 20, um, driving, we drove up and down the East Coast and the West Coast, just going to, going to the address that was listed, um, turned us down, and it was the last one on the list, which was a small mom and pop. We were, we were almost so defeated that we were, like, ready to just call, call, it, a, call it a day and start applying for jobs. Um, that when we walked in and we, sh- and we met the, we met the owner, the owner was right there and he was, he was so nice. Um, he sat down and he said, okay, tell me what, what is it you want to do? What are you starting? And we started describing like the customer is in the center of this industry. Like you just want to build a mattress company and a sleep company that, that takes care of its customer. He loved it. And he's whatever I can do, let me help you. And so that period of time took about, I would say about three months. And we were so close so many times to just, just quit because it was so difficult and so old. And, and if they don't know you, they don't, they don't work with you. So um, luckily we found this, uh, this small manufacturer and we still, we still work with them today. Um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great partnership. And I'll tell you, that was, um, they call it the pit of sorrow when you start a company after that first bump, you know, validation. Uh, that was definitely, that was definitely a, a trial for us. So what, you know, J, JT and, and Aaron, you, you guys are the prime example of what I, I think is the number one characteristic of an entrepreneur, and that's resilience and persistence. I mean, so like you said, JT, so many times you wanted to quit, and so many times if, if, if you don't have that characteristic of persistence and resilience of coming back from a setback, if you don't have that, 
probably the world of entrepreneurship is not for you because you're going to keep hitting those obstacles and keep hitting those setbacks and you just got to keep going and get through them. And the other thing that Kim and I found, the more successful you get, the bigger problems you run into. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really the big challenge. That's why most people just say small business, you know. Yeah. Aaron, one other question, because at, at the break we were talking about staff and people. Because we often say business would be easy if it wasn't for people. Have, have, have staff been a problem for you? People uh, been a problem? I know yeah. your, your brother is your partner. Yeah, I, I would say um, for sure the number one um, issue we we probably face is always the people because I mean with with the restaurant we can um, control our our food quality I, we can control uh, the cleanliness of the restaurant we can control the brand but we can't control how someone shows up to work and especially with um, with the restaurant you're you're going to the cal the type of worker that you're usually hiring. Um, there's a huge uh, demand for that that type of worker, and um, they're not necessarily going to be the most loyal. And you have small margins to begin with at a restaurant, so you can't pay them way over market. Plus, they don't get tips, do they? A lot of they. Well, we do. Sh we share tips with them and everything, but and everyone thinks that the minimum wage increase was going to you know <laughs> help. Well, it just turns into expectations now, and everyone starts at ten fifty instead of 850 when we started and that was only five years ago um so it just i mean what it ends up doing it just goes back down to the consumer right 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 the cost, right so. so so jt one of your niches is that you have you able to take a big mattress and put it in a small box is that what you did yep that's right like a giant uh we roll it up like a giant chipotle burrito <laughs> burritos company we, yeah yeah we put it in a box that's about uh, a little bit a little bit taller than waist height and we ship it all over all over the u.s and, and so somebody doesn't like it, they can ship it right back? Yep, we have a free 100-night um, uh, trial, so if you don't like it, we, what we do is we, we partnered with donation centers in every city across the U.S., and we actually will schedule a pickup so those mattresses will, will get donated. But we've, luckily we've, we've iterated and, and gotten the product um, to, to a level where we've got the lowest return rate in the industry of 4%. So, um, but at the same time, we're, we're able to really do good and, and get back. So if, if somebody doesn't like the mattress, you can't resell it? We, we take those mattresses and, and we donate them. Um, in the cases where there's not a, um, maybe a donation center around or it doesn't work out, we, we have it picked up and recycled. Um, but in the industry, there are some, some, some companies that do resell, but we, we don't do that. Real quickly, Aaron, if you could, somebody's right now sitting at home like you are in your parents' home ready to start something up, what was, what was the first thing you would say to them? I mean, what's the best advice you could give them? I think what what I dealt with was uh, I I needed someone. So you're gonna you're gonna face a lot of challenges, and you're gonna. I had a lot of people tell me that it was a stupid idea that I couldn't do it because I didn't have enough experience. That I needed to go get a job, be a dishwasher in a restaurant, et cetera, et cetera. But me being an entrepreneur, I felt like I I could make. I wanted to make the but decision. But you didn't even know how to cook when you started. No, uh, I was cooking in my parents' house, but uh, I was figuring stuff out and. I had so many people just on and on and on where you're breaking down in tears. You, you want to quit. And for me, I was lucky that I just had one person, one support system. And that was my mom at the time. Luckily she was my roommate. And, uh, <laughs> she was the one that like, when she would see me down, she, uh, encouraged me and she said, no, Aaron, you're going to go, you're going to do this. That's great. And I think that that for me at that state, because you, I was at like, rock bottom in the sense of my self-esteem. I'm living yeah. at home with my parents. I'm 22 years old. 
uh, I have no money, I don't have a job, you know, on and on and on. And so I think that was so important. Someone that you respect, um, to keep, that's there keep to going, right, yeah, right, keep you right, there. Right, right, right. So JT, what, what what advice would you have somebody about a startup? I would say think about a problem with a product, a service, or an experience that you've had that you you really start with, and you're starting from there. Because you know, if you've had this problem, there may be other people out there who who do too, and test it as fast as you can. We built the site, and it was, you know, a, a photo stock image of a mattress. I mean, we, we knew that if we were going to take the leap. So we're, we're risk takers, but we, we mitigate the risk, and we take, a, take this little test to validate that it's going to work. And then once, you, once you've figured out how to test it, you can get somebody, it's not family or friend, to pay you money for that product or service, or you know that, you know that there's interest. And I would say jump in and burn the boats because that's <laughs> our approach. There's no way to go except for forward, and you have to persist. You can't stay halfway on the dock and halfway in the boat. So, Kim, what advice right. would you have for people who want to streaming of starting up? Yeah, well, I, I love what Aaron and JT are saying. Um, they're, they're right on. And uh, for me, I, there's three questions I ask. And um, number one, of course, you've got to be resilient. You've got to be persistent because you're going to face all these problems that Aaron and JT have been talking about. But my three questions are, just as JT said, number one is what problem are you solving? Because the purpose of an entrepreneur for me is to solve problems. Number two is how are people going to hear about you? And number three is how are you going to grow that business? And both Aaron and JT are great examples of all of that. They're, they're doing it. They're growing their businesses. They're expanding. And they're doing it in really, really creative ways that are solving problems. So. Um, I, I love the, the examples that they're setting for people. Yeah, and I want to thank uh, both Aaron and um, JT for sharing their wisdom here, their success as really young guys, and I uh, appreciate your being real about it. So once again, it's Aaron Poole. He's the owner of Gadzooks Enchiladas and Soup. His website is G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S-A-Z.com and JT Moreno, toughtoneedle.com. So thank you all, and Kim, have a great trip to Maine. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And we come back, we're going to the most popular part of our program, which is Ask Robert. You're listening to the Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. It pays to listen. 
Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio Show anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived. You go to richdadradio.com. We archive them for two reasons. Number one, listen to this program again. You'll learn even more because repetition is how we learn. And number two is that if you have friends, family, business partners, or potential business partners, or you're thinking about starting up a business, you got to talk to your husband or your wife, this would be a great program to listen to and discuss, you know, because everybody dreams of, you know, starting a business and becoming Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, but that's not reality. They, they say out of every 10 businesses, you know, nine fail in the first five years. That's the attrition rate is extremely high. So that's why the startup, everybody, the successful guys make it look easy, but in reality it's not. So I wanna thank my sweetheart, Kim. She's on her way to Maine to have a party with her sisters. Aaron Poole, uh, owner of Gadzooks Enchiladas and Soup. Like I said, I drive past his shop every day. And I don't know how he got that building on such a small little piece of land. Also, JT Moreno is a co-founder of Tuft & Needle and his numbers are through the roof, started with $6,000. So it all sounds easy, it all sounds wonderful, but I don't know if you picked up on this, but all of us have our different lessons to learn. I mean, what Aaron's learning is different than what JT had to learn. And so that's why um, being an entrepreneur or a startup, you better be a pretty quick learner and have a low ego. So once again, you can submit your questions now to askrobert at richdadradio.com. So Melissa, what's the first question for Ask Robert? Our first question today comes from Tiffany in Arkansas, favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She says, Robert, in starting up my first business, I'm struggling with delegating the day-to-day responsibilities to my staff. I know I have good people around me, but I'm struggling with letting go and just letting them do their jobs. What's your advice on this? Well, the first thing I would do is I'd read the book, The Cash Flow Quadrant, because it's about the four different people that are involved in the business world. E stands for employee, S stands for self-employed, small business, fewer than 500 employees. B stands for big business, 500 employees or more. And I stands for professional investor. And very few people are professional investors. Most people are passive. They turn their money over to a financial planner or somebody. So the question on delegation is a, is a tough one because why people don't delegate is fear. When you get down to it, it's fear. And you know, the only way you're gonna learn is get past that fear. Let let it go, trust it, and see what happens. I remember the first time I, you know, I, I was working at Xerox years and years ago. I worked at Xerox to get sales experience, and I left. And I'm gonna start the nylon and Velcro surfer wallet business. And my, the um, receptionist smiled at me. She says, "You're gonna fail, and you'll be back." And I said, I'm going to fail, but I'm never coming back. And I think in there is the key to it is you will fail. Everything you do, you will fail at because you don't know how to do it. So that's why I'm saying you've really got to be open to the idea that you will make mistakes and then you know, find somebody that can, like, like Aaron talked about his mom comfort him. You know, I mean, I would never have made it through without Kim. So there's a partnership at a different level in an, an entrepreneur, if, if you're just depending upon an employee, let's say that's not quite the same level as being the owner of a business because your responsibilities are much higher. 
So I would find somebody you can talk to, like a coach or a counselor or somebody that guides you through the process, because you will fail. You will make mistakes. Unlike in school, which I really have a problem with all these school teachers, when I was the MBA program, my teachers never made any mistakes. Now that's not real life. So I'm just saying be prepared to fail, but have somebody you can talk to, a mentor, somebody that gets you through the low points and high points. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Joshua in Cleveland, Ohio. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. How do you and Kim overcome setbacks and disappointments in your business life? Sometimes I feel like giving up, and some days it's tough to continue to press forward. Well, that's, it's really the same thing. It is a matter of personal character. You know, the biggest mistake is that we send kids to school. This, this, so, so the biggest mistakes they teach you in school is don't make mistakes. Then they tell you don't cooperate because cooperating is cheating. And then they tell you there's only one right answer. It's one the teacher gives you. How stupid is that? Why would you listen to a person who's never made a mistake and who's been a robot trained to give you one answer? You know, the key to success is how many right answers can you come up with? Test them, test them, test them, test them. That's, that's what JT Moreno says. You know, he, he didn't have a product. He just floated it, tested it, see if it worked. Shut it down if it doesn't work. I used to do it all the time. I used to test these products. It wasn't as fast as it is today. But I would take out a small ad someplace and test it. What was the response to my ad? And that is the biggest mistake of school teachers. I wouldn't listen to them. Look, if anybody tells you there's only one way to do something, you're talking to the village idiot there. If there's only one right answer, and there's no financial education. All these things is why I don't think you should go to school anymore, because they're out of touch. They're out of touch. So that's why I plug in my new book. It's called Fake, Fake Money, Fake, a fake Teachers, and Fake Assets. Our school system is one of the most criminal operations there is right now because they're actually keeping people stupid, they're actually keeping people poor, keeping them retarded. That's the biggest problem. Look, you have to make mistakes. There's more than one right answer. There's no financial education. Like I love Aaron Poole, he's buying real estate. I just followed the McDonald's formula. He's following the McDonald's formula. What, does Ma what is McDonald's business? Real estate, not hamburgers. Aaron Poole, not enchiladas, it's real estate. If you, but you have to find your formula. And then for JT Marindo, you know, co-founder of Tough to Needle, test, 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 test. You gotta make mistakes. You're looking for the, the, there's so many right answers out there. There's more than one and you have to cooperate. In school, cooperation is called cheating. What a ridiculous thing that is. It is so ridiculous. They're so out of touch. So once again, it's Robert Kiyosaki and plug in my new book called Fake. Stay tuned for it. You can submit your questions to askrobert at richdadradio.com. I thank Aaron Poole, owner of Gadzooks, JT Marino, co-founder of Tough to Needle, and also my sweetheart Kim, who's on her way to Maine. Thank you for listening to The Rich Dad Show.